some of our clients asked us to work with their children, their college age children or young people looking for jobs. And I found that what we were teaching the leaders worked 100% for the job seekers. Everything we taught leaders about delivering a clear and powerful message worked for the job seekers. And everyone I coached who was looking for a job got a job. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. So I'm very excited to welcome back to the Inspire podcast, the Humphrey Group's founder, and coincidentally or not, my mother, Judith Humphrey. Judith, or should I say mom, welcome back to the Inspire podcast. Well, thanks, Mark. Thanks for doing such a great job with the company. Absolutely. Well, you know. with a chance to write books. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so that's, that's. And you, you had to write a book. I feel like I've had a couple, only a couple people have come back on the pod twice, and it almost always coincides with writing a second, writing a book. So you've written another book. I'm holding a pre-release copy here. It's called The Job Seeker Script, and the subtitle is Tell Your Story and Land Your Dream Position. And so I thought, yeah, you've written this great book. It'll be, we're recording this in April. It's coming out in May? May 16th. May 16th, 2023. So by the time you're listening to this pod, it's available. We'll put links to it in the show notes. But I thought it'd be great to have you back on the pod to talk about this book. Yeah, so welcome. To. Thank you so much. So so tell me, and for those listening who haven't already rushed up to buy the book, what's the book about? The book is about getting a job that you really want, that you really believe you're right for. And so it's getting the right job in the right way. And the book describes how to tell your story convincingly, confidently, and in such a way that you move people to believe in you. Yeah, and I think it's, I know um, this book really fits with the moment in time that we're in in the labor market. You know, people are looking for work like never before. <laughs> They're switching jobs like never before. Talk, talk to me and to the people listening, like, what led you to write this book? Because, you know, your career, you know, at the Humphrey Group has not been in job areas. I know there were a few clients here there you prepare for a major interview, but this is kind of a new vein. So how did you come to write this book? Well, there are many reasons I decided to write this book. And of course, I gave it a lot of thought. But the first reason was some of our clients asked us to work with their children, their college age children or young people looking for jobs. And I found that what we were teaching the leaders worked 100% hmm. for the job seekers. Everything we taught leaders about delivering a clear and powerful message worked for the job seekers. And everyone I coached who was looking for a job got a job. Hmm. So 100% success. 100% success rate. Money back guarantee. <laughs> I mean, the other reason that I decided, well, actually, there are two other reasons I decided to write this book. The second reason was there's so many people on the job market now. Mm -hmm. Three out of four people who are employed are looking. Wow. It's huge. And finally, 
this book has its origin in my Fast Company articles. I've been a columnist for Fast Company since 2015. I've written more than 150 articles. And the articles are hugely successful. There's so many people. Like how many people will read an article? 70, 80,000. And that's huge. Mm -hmm. And then there may be others that we don't even know about. But 70 or 80,000 people would want to read one of my articles. And while the articles first were on more general subjects, gradually I saw the interest in the marketplace and getting a job, nailing a converse, uh, an interview conversation, um, preparing for interviews. Mm -hmm. um, so setting yourself up for success. So people were hungry for so this content. People were hungry for it. And more and more of my articles were moving in this direction. And so, you know, I've written articles on how to tell your story, five things never to do if you want to get an interview, <laughs> six things not to do in an right. interview, and all, all other topics, networking and so forth. Oh. So I decided finally that all these articles would make a great book. Mm. They would be integrated around one theme, and that is how to create a narrative mm -hmm. that sells you in a job search situation. Well, that, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good summary of what, why this book is so timely. I mean, you know, we know now in our work with, with companies um, that CEOs, executives are more concerned with attracting, developing, retaining talent than virtually anything else. And that people, as you said, you know, 75% people are looking for a job. So the labor market has never been more fluid and people are wanting to know, like, how do I get a job? And I think what was most fascinating to me when I saw this, I assumed when you wrote this book, it would be about how to leave your company, right? <laughs> and get a job somewhere else. But a big part of this is about self-awareness before you take that step. And also being able to pitch yourself for the right job inside the company that you're in. So maybe, you know, so I want to have you on because a lot of people listening, yeah, of course, many, maybe they're in that 75% looking for an external job but they may also want to advance their careers that inside the company they're at. And I thought it'd be worthwhile for us to delve into the book and, and share, you know, how they can go through that process of self-reflection, how they can pitch themselves and some of the things that, you know, that they can do if, if they actually get that coveted job interview. So let's, let's start with this idea of, you know, the chapter you call the side of your storyline. Tell me how, like what this means and where, how people should think about, Deciding on their storyline. Yeah. Well, deciding your storyline really relates to the fact that if you want to be successful in your next job, you want to find the right job. The job is right for you. And uh, people need to spend more time thinking about where they want to go in their next career move. So there are six questions that I raise in the book and six questions that any successful job seeker should answer. So what are they? Where is First this? one so, is, am I prepared to invest in myself? And what does that mean? It means, am I willing to put in the time to find the right job opportunity? 70% of job seekers won't apply for a job if it takes them more than 15 minutes. No way. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I know. We used to do the post. And a number of people, the applications we got the first two days are all useless. Exactly. They just hit apply. <laughs> yeah, they're applying to everything. The spray print. <laughs> so focus your search on the thing that you're willing to spend time on. Look at the job carefully. Hmm. 
align your own credentials with a job and things think it's the one for you. So spend the time and don't apply for everything. Second, ask yourself, what are my skills and interests? Really take me- a measure of yourself and what you have to bring mm. and are, be able to articulate that clearly. Like what kinds of things, if someone's listening and they're thinking, ah, I hate my job, I'm going to leave. What should they, before they hit apply in 15 minutes or less, like what questions should they ask themselves about their skills and interests? Well, for example, I was a speechwriter. Mm-hmm. So, so I would say to myself, do I want to be a speechwriter again in my next role? Mm-hmm. I have the skill, but is that my interest? And they might say, uh, maybe a software en- engineer would say, okay, I've got strength in developing one kind of software, but not in another. Mm-hmm. So really take a hard look at your abilities. Do I have management expertise or do I want to be a... Or do I even want to be a manager? Statulist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or do I want to... Do I see myself as a leader or do I see myself as just an expert in some right. field? Do I want to deal with people or do I want to work alone? So these are some of the questions that have to be answered in order for you to go after the right job. Do I want a new direction is a third question. Hmm. You know, are you happy with the course that your career is taking or do you want another direction? Do you want another kind of career? And that's what happened when I started the Humphrey Group. You know, I realized I didn't want to be a speechwriter forever. Right. I want to train leaders in how to speak. And so that became an entrepreneurial goal. So I changed directions. A lot of people change direction, mm-hmm. but do it deliberately. Yeah, I had, I had a guest on the pod last year, Tony Mintajardi, probably mispronouncing his last name. Sorry, Tony. But he talked about this concept of the second peak and, and coming off the mountain. You climb, you climb in your career and you get to the top or you're stuck on the mountain and you realize I'm climbing the wrong mountain. Yeah. So I got to come down and be deliberate about which direction, which mountain I want to climb that. Exactly. What kind of culture do I mm. want to work in? And that's a big one these days because culture is such an issue. Uh, look at the leaders in the company you're thinking about joining. Do you admire them? Do they speak openly? Do they talk directly to their audience or do they talk on video or do they talk even worse if they're emails? You know, are they credible from your point of view? And I know you've got some great statistics in here. One study by Glassdoor, you reference over three quarters of employees that say they would consider a company's culture before applying. And two thirds say the culture is the main reason they stay. Um, and so do you, so it sounds like this is something that people are, are thinking about. They do think about it, but they don't think broadly about it. So many of them get caught up in hating their boss. <laughs> you know, so the boss isn't necessarily the whole culture. Mm-hmm. You can have a bad boss, which many people do, yes. <laughs> but, but have a good culture. And so you have to rise above the boss situation and say, you know, I like the values of my company. <laughs> Or I don't like the volume of my company. You know, a company that allows its boss to yeah. board it over me may not be the right company. And another thing you reference in the book, which I think has become, you know, I've had a number of guests on the pod this year talking about this, our company cultures are also being defined by their approach to return to office. Exactly. Are you fully, as a company, fully remote? Is it fully in the office? Is it somewhere no. in between? What is the cultural no. expectation there? Those are a lot of questions. And diversity and inclusion. What kind of openness... Um, is the, mm-hmm. the company culture? Do they do it 
just with words or with their actions. So th- that's very important to identifying the culture because if you're in the wrong culture, you won't stay there long. So then you get to your fifth point after culture, which is size. I thought this was really fascinating because yes. people don't often think about size well, when they think of their like, I want to leave my company. So what, what should people assess when it comes to size? Well, look at the, where you are now. Let's say you're in a large company, large corporation. Do you like that? Do you like that the prestige that a large corporation has? Mm-hmm. Do you like the role it has in the marketplace? Do you feel great about working for a BMO or one of the major banks in the world? But if you go to a small company, you may not have the different levels. You may have to do more than my job. You may yeah. have to do jobs across the organization. Fewer opportunities probably for career progression. Exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, in a small company, you may have one role that you can move into. Yeah. In a large company, you may have a whole career trajectory. I know when the offer, you know, we'd love to have people spend their whole career with us, but the reality is there's only a limit to how many careers people can have. So we say, hey, come have a couple great years with us. And then you go to a big one. We've had a lot of people do that uh, because we just can't offer them things a big company. Now, Uh, some. Some of those offerings, you can offer people transfers from one province to another. But from, there's but there's a limit to your point. There is there, a limit. So that's what you might lose. But of course, there's what you gain. You get to know everyone. There's a, There can be the chance to roll up your sleeves to your point and do a lot of things and just a different vibe. So I, I think it's a great fifth question is big or small or in between. And, it, and then that brings us to the last question you encourage people to ask themselves, which is, will I be able to succeed there? What, what, tell me more about that question. Well, asking yourself that question is really important because you want to make sure you understand the job, the role that you're applying for, and you want to compare that to the experience you bring. Will you be able to succeed really involves understanding the relationship between your skills and mm-hmm. abilities and what the job will require. And it also involves Asking yourself who you're reporting to. Mm-hmm. Uh, will you have an advantage in reporting to that individual? Will, will you be part of a team? Mm-hmm. Have you met the members of the team? Do you like them? Mm-hmm. Do you think you can work well with them? Or do you want to work on your own? So just exploring every aspect of a job and the people around you, if you should get that job, is a way of saying, will I be happy in that job, in that role? So it's a lot. I mean, I think these are six great questions asked, but they also show why hitting apply is not going to set up in under 15 minutes is not going to set you up for exactly. success. Yeah, you can't tell in 15 minutes whether that's the right job for right. you. That's why so many people are always looking because they're applying for jobs that are not right for. They're applying for too many jobs and they're not paying enough attention to what the job will require of them. So we'll come back to the interview itself in a bit. But let's imagine you go through this process of self-reflection and you realize, I do need a new role. I do want to change, but I've gone through those questions about company and fit. And I actually feel like the values and culture and scale of the company I'm in is the right one. I think a lot of people feel that, hey, you know, people in their career, they build up relationships, they build up comfort. And, and there's a lot to be said for staying with that. So let's, uh, I want to turn to your, your chapter on pitching yourself inside your company. Because I think most people, if they can, would advance within their company. So how do you go yes. about doing it? What advice do you have for job, for internal job seeking? Where do you start? Well, first of all, be open to it. 
And the interesting thing is I wrote most of this book before I even thought about the internal job search. Hmm. And I'm sure that a lot of candidates don't even think about it. In fact, 50% of people don't even consider staying with their present company. Hmm. So it took me a while to actually think of this as a favorable alternative hmm. to going outside. So what, what do you need to do to think about it? Well, first of all, realize that companies are looking to promote their employees. They're looking to retain talent. And if you feel we're part of their talent base, then you have a good opportunity within your company. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I've got some statistics I want to share. I was at a, a conference. The Humphrey Group is a member of ISA, which is the Association of Training Companies. And we heard a presentation from executives at the Center for Creative Leadership and DDI. And they surveyed CEOs and said, you know, what are your concerns? And the amazing thing is concerns about a recession were number five. Wow. Concerning about digital transformation, number four. What were the top three? Attracting and retaining talent, developing their f- talent, and engaging their workforce. That's right. So it totally echoes what you're saying, which is your company is probably wanting to get the most out of you. Yeah, it wants to keep you. From it. And you have an opportunity to proceed up the corporate ladder mm-hmm. if you really want to. Companies are spending a lot of time and money on upskilling, okay. reskilling, and bringing programs to employees so that they can develop them. For example, I've spoken to two companies in the last week or two that have emerging leader programs, mm-hmm. young people and new recruits who want to be leaders, who want to develop as leaders. It's an incredible opportunity for any internal candidate. So don't pass on mm. the idea of moving up within your corporation. Now, another thing you talked about once you adopted that mindset and say, all right, maybe I don't want to be in this job, but I do want to pursue opportunities here, is to build your network. Right. Talk to me a bit about this, because I think everyone hates networking. Yeah. <laughs> and especially- why? why do you think they do? Well, look, meeting new people is stressful. <laughs> And people don't want to feel that they have to sell themselves. Mm. I think that's a big issue. And I think now, with hybrid, there are fewer interactions to network. That's true. That's true. We just go to people. (laughs) But you mentioned selling yourself. Networking is about selling yourself. But the whole job search is about selling yourself. Whether you're selling yourself externally or internally, Mm -hmm. you have to be able to sell yourself successfully to get that next big job. Now, how do you do that internally? You network with anybody you can, but here are some opportunities for you. You start off networking with your boss. Now, what I mean by that is you don't want to go outside your department unless you've alerted your boss to the fact that you want to move up. Mm-hmm. So the first person you should talk to mm. is your boss and and. Be sure you prepare what you say. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just casually drop at the end of a meeting. By the way, I'm thinking of a bigger job or I'd like a promotion. You don't want to casually drop mm-hmm. that. You just say at, at a meeting, I'd like to talk to you about my career. Um, would you have time in the next month to do that? And then you prepare what you're going to say. And it- we talk to your boss and you say, thank you start off with, thank you so much for meeting with me about this. And then, then you hit your boss with your main message, which is, I believe I've done a great job mm-hmm. in this department and I'm really 
for a promotion. So don't blindside them. Be intentional, no. but also be clear that you want to move up. Exactly. You owe it to your boss, no matter how bad a relationship you may have with the boss. You owe it to that person hmm. to have this conversation first before you go after a job in any other part of your organization. And then you, you sell yourself in that role and you talk about your accomplishments, mm-hmm. uh, how much you love the work, how, how much you feel ready for that next level, whether it's a leadership role or uh, a management role. And so you have that conversation. That's your first then, networking conversation, so to speak. Then, then what? You also want to have a conversation with potential sponsors. A sponsor is someone who ranks in a senior role, who is willing to have your back, who is willing to support you and recommend you and put your name forward when there's an opening in a more senior level. Okay. So you go and talk to the sponsor. But again, prepare what you're going to say. Prepare why you came to this individual, what you would like him or her to do for you, and why you feel you're worthy of that endorsement. And so sponsors can come from any department, but usually they're in departments that you would like to work in. Mm-hmm. Usually they have, they'll have a role in the hiring process, and so you want to get them on your side. I think some people might say, oh, it feels presumptuous to call someone and say, hey, <laughs> I want you to go to the bat for me. What's the right way to do it? You wouldn't call. Call is too casual, and you might not get someone who picks up his or her phone. I would send an email, and in the email, mention that you you understand the work that his department or her department does. You, you love the idea of working in that group. Um, you would, would love a conversation mm-hmm. with him or her about opportunities that might exist within that department. Right. And so you say, um, so I'll contact your assistant right. and set up a meeting. So you're really... A- Again, it's back to what you're saying. Like the whole theme I'm hearing is the intentionality, right? First, be intentional about what you're looking for, about your strengths or skills. And if you want to stay, then be intentional about going to your boss and then be intentional about reaching out to people. And I guess ultimately that's going to bring value to them because you see a fit between your skills and them. Exactly. So don't feel bad. You're not imposing on something. No, I mean, sometimes people feel reluctant. A lot of people yes. feel reluctant about doing this kind of networking, but you can't, or you can't let that dominate right. your behavior because if you feel reluctant and don't go in a bat for yourself, right. you'll never get a promotion. I mean, here's, here's an example of what not to do. Okay. <laughs> Somebody had worked with once, went to her boss and she said, I'd like to move it head in this organization. Actually, there's a vice president in another division that wants me to be report to her, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd like your agreement that I can move on. The boss said, no, you don't have my agreement <laughs> because I need you too much now. So what, so what did you she do? Yeah. What did she do? She stayed with the boss mm-hmm. at the director level, and she's still at the same level mm-hmm. after 10 years. And so what would you advise her to have done there? Cause, because I know you're saying... You should go talk to your boss. So she did that. Yes. But you can't accept the boss's decision when it's your career. You have to know what you want, what you need. If if you've been given an assignment in another department and it's a more senior assignment, don't let your boss 
do you in? So it's not that you're asking for permission. You're no. you're simply telling them that this is your intention, and you're you're going to, of course, help them understand that you'll support them through the search and the transition. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, you do a great. But you're not asking. You're not saying I would like to. That's yeah. the mistake there. No, you're not asking for permission. Hmm. You're alerting them to the fact that you have another job offer. Right. And giving him the opportunity to... Or that you're going to be looking for other jobs. And- yeah, exactly. You know, there's nothing wrong with telling your boss you're going to be looking. Right. You don't have to be clandestine about it. Yeah, yeah I think bosses appreciate the courtesy of saying, oh, well, you know, I have months and months to think about your successor. Yeah, exactly. Or saying, hey, you know, this is great. I'll get behind you because at some point I need a change here too. But you can see what we're talking about is language. Mm-hmm. We're talking about how you script yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what this book does. The book, the Job Seeker script, takes you through every single scenario mm-hmm. you're going through in the job search and gives you examples of how to script yourself, what right. to say, what not to say. So these are very important distinctions. Yeah. Whether you say to your boss, I want you to approve this. Right. Motion, or I I'm have going. an opportunity. <laughs> Lighting. Well, then let's. I, I think let's turn then to that to that for our kind of final section, which is the script. And you have this, obviously, you know, the work that you did at the Humphrey Group, which still anyone who has worked with the Humphrey Group knows the leader's script. Really, is the you know drawn from rhetoric. It's the foundation of what we teach, and clients still rave about the value of this tool today. Mm-hmm. Now, you've you've created a slightly different scripting tool for the job to focus the, the mind in the job seeking environment right the acronym hire exactly so tell, tell us what does that stand for and then how do you go about it well it's a four-part script so whether you're working in a networking situation whether you're talking to a recruiter or talking to a hiring manager or even constructing your resume the book provides a model or a template for creating mm-hmm. your script for those occasions. So this is a four-part script that derives from what you and I have taught our clients in the Humphrey Group. And it's just named HIRE, obviously, appropriately for right. the job. Right, perfect. Group. It's a great acronym. So HIRE starts, so your, your structure and your script starts with an H that is a hook. How do you hook the listener in? Let's say you're talking to an interviewer. You might say, it's great to meet you. Um, I've been looking forward to this interview for weeks. Uh, I admire your company and and admire the work that's done in this following year. So you have some kind of hook that engages your listener. I is the next element, inspire. You want a message, a one-sentence message that inspires your interviewer, let's say. R, you want to reinforce that message. So mm-hmm. if you're in an interview and you've stated your message, now you want to reinforce it with proof points. So if you said you feel like a perfect candidate for this job, then you want to reinforce that with sub-messages in the body mm-hmm. of your script. And finally, you want to conclude with engage, mm. an E. Engage means... You reinforce your interest in the position mm-hmm. or your appreciation for the meeting. And then you talk about next steps. What are the next steps? This is something job seekers often don't mm-hmm. include. They're maybe afraid to ask, well, what's mm-hmm. the next step? But you want to make sure you understand what the next step is. 
and make sure you know when you can expect to hear from them. Mm-hmm. So that's the E, engage. So let's talk, let's go into script a bit. You know, so when people are interviewing, are you, when you say script, are you advising them to write something out that they read or are you advising, is it more bullets? Like what are, what are yeah. what's your advice to people? Well, there are many formats because one format is a verbatim script. So right. I can write out all the sentences mm-hmm. using the higher template and then you learn it. Mm-hmm. Some people like that. I actually enjoy that approach. Mm-hmm. But another approach would be to write out bullet form notes. So you have all the elements in your script, all of the higher template elements, but you're not committing to a verbatim delivery of that script. So bullet points. Another thing you can do within the context of that is have a presentation, Mm -hmm. a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, I know a lot on Zoom now. I I have clients who are asking for, pre- I have two people I'm helping prep for interviews now, yep. and they've both been asked to give presentations. Huh? Exactly. On two. Yeah. And some people haven't been asked, but they might take a presentation, mm-hmm. and the interviewer say, great, show it mm-hmm. to us. So a presentation can have the same higher elements, you know, the hook and the mm-hmm. inspire and the reinforce and the engage. Uh, so that's another format. And then still another format, would be to have a note form script, but in the context of that, to have a demo. Mm. Now, I know one Amazon, successful Amazon candidate, really high up in the organization now, had a demo. Mm. So right in the middle of his presentation, he said, would you like to see how I would talk to clients? And he did a demo of how he would talk to a prospective client. And he got the job, and he's been doing really well in sales. So you have different formats, and all those formats are based on the higher template, mm-hmm. but they involve different kinds of material, and they're all described in the book. I love it. I love it. And it's uh, you know a tool, of course, through all the different parts of an interview. I mean, these days, people do so many interviews. Did, yeah. By the way, uh, do you have an average? Like, how many interviews on average does it take to land a job now? Well, the people I spoke to have had four or five interviews, yeah. and they're all in one day. Wow. So can you imagine moving through that process? And let me tell you one of the great things you want to do to be successful in those interviews. You want to research the interviewers. Mm-hmm. You want to do a Google search on each interviewer and and study their LinkedIn and make sure you mm. really know who you're talking Put that research in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Because unless you do that research, and research not only on the interviewer, but on the company, on the culture, mm-hmm. and on the job, unless you do that research, you're going to come across as a charlatan. Right. Somebody who doesn't know what they're getting into. Right. So put that work in. Yeah. So we've covered a lot of ground. The, the last thing I want to touch on, you have a whole chapter at the end on the toughest questions that you, or, and the most common questions right. that come up. What would be the two most common questions that people should be ready for? The ones that they will almost certainly get. Tell me about yourself. I mean, that just seems so general. It's so general. And you know, today I was reading um, something on the internet and it said, to answer that question, you first talk about the present, then you talk about the past, then you talk about the future. But there's no clarity in that. You can go on and on about the present, the past. Could be half an hour. (laughs) Yeah. So what you really want to do to nail that question or nail the answer to that question is you want a single idea. 
Something you can formulate in one sentence. Tell me about yourself. I love people. And mm. that's made me really successful in HR. That could be right. the one like sentence that. idea. Or I love engineering design, or I love uh, a great software designer, a specialist. Um, or, so having that focus I am and then allows you to then tell the story. Yeah, and then expand upon that. That's your sort of inspiring message. Okay. Oh, uh, and another, you asked for two. Yeah. Another one is, <laughs> why are you leaving your present job? Yeah, I think a lot, especially now with people with labor mobility, how do you advise people to handle that? Well, it depends on whether they're leaving because they want to move their career forward. Mm-hmm. And that's one answer. Um, you know, they're, they're very happy with what they've accomplished mm-hmm. in that job. It's, it, they are, they're now ready for the next stage of their career. That would be one good mm-hmm. answer. Um, why are you leaving the job? Let's say you have a toxic boss. Right. You don't want to say that. Right. <laughs> Even if it's true. Right. Even if it's true, you never diss anybody right. in, in an interview. So if you have a toxic boss, you want to get rid of the boss, you have to find some other reason. Could you say I'm looking for a culture that fits more with my values? Would you recommend that? I think it gets into dangerous territory because when you say... I'm looking for a culture that fits more with my values. Then the next question on the part of the would be, so what do you dislike about your person? Right. And then you can get down that rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't say anything negative or imply anything negative. Yeah. I would just say, I'm ready for this next job. Because you know, every answer you give, no matter what the question is, every answer you give should be showing you're a great fit with the job. Right. It's like going on a first date. No one wants to hear why it ended with your answer. I <laughs> just when I think about the relationship. Right. Yeah. Well, and there, I know you've got, as you said, there's many more than two questions, and there's a whole chapter in the book on it. We could keep going, but then no one would buy the book. Uh, but I think, you know, what, I, what I'm really taking away from this is first, you know, approach your search, whether it's external, internal, with intention. Don't be the majority of people who just hit apply in under 15 minutes because right. you're probably going to just end up in the job that's not the right one. Exactly. And then you'll be looking again. Yeah. And then secondly, think internally. I mean, I think that's, that's you know, and whether you look at the statistics I shared about CEOs and their priority on talent development or what you shared in terms of companies being willing to invest, there's probably far more opportunity in your company than you realize. There is. I mean, companies really desperately want to hang on to talent. So if you feel- They love you. They really yeah. love you. <laughs> you've done a wonderful job for them. You've added value yeah. and you've- done that job and you're ready for something more, go to the people right. and talk to, go to sponsors, mentors, leaders at any level. Talk to them about the opportunities in their department. You don't have to stay in the same department mm-hmm. to be successful in the company. It used to be that people would think of their careers in terms of one company or two companies. <laughs> now we're at, just the the opposite. That's <laughs> right. Maybe we're going back to them at that stage. Maybe. And then and then lastly, what I'm taking away is the higher model and to really get your thinking yeah. clear before you interview. And um, don't worry about the time you're spending preparing. Prepare everything, absolutely every script mm. you're going to deliver. Prepare, think about it. And one thing we can close with is rehearse. Um. Rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Rehearse everything. Everything you're going to deliver to an interviewer or a hiring manager or a networking contact, 
rehearse before you deliver it. Because it's just so important to have that self-assessment or help with somebody else who's assessing you to know that you're really good, you're really strong, you're really out presence, and you're going to win this. Well, that's, that's a great close. And I really appreciate you coming on. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. Where can people get the book? Anywhere. Anywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's on Amazon. It's, it's on, on Amazon. It's yeah, in stores Amazon. as well. It's, it's in stores. It's published. And tell us about the publishers by Fast Company. Fast is, Company. Yeah. Fast Company is a great press. Mm-hmm. It's actually going to be in the um, major issue of Fast Company magazine, full page spread. And um, there's, it's gotten some great endorsements, some great reviews. So look on Amazon.com, you'll see some great reviews. Yeah. And I know you if people want you've done that you're doing a lot of virtual book launches. So yes. I I'd encourage everyone listening to connect with Judith on LinkedIn and have her uh, to your organization for a book launch. So mm-hmm. congratulations yep. on the book. Thank you very much. It's been a great conversation. Always, there. always. <laughs> so you, you you'll have to write another book to get back on the pod. Give me some time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that episode today with Judith Humphrey. I'm really proud of her for the book she's written and the great work that she's done. And it's it's very practical. I'm sure you're taking away that whenever you are positioning yourself for a job, be it internally or externally, you need to get thinking clear so that you can speak with that clarity. So pick up the book, give it a read, follow her on social. Next time on the pod, I'm welcoming James Kahn. James is a serial entrepreneur. He's a philanthropist. He has founded and sold several human capital companies, including Alexander Mann Solutions and Humana International. He has been a panelist on the UK Dragon's Den. He was chairman of a government, British government initiative, Startup Loans. He's a serial entrepreneur, and he joins me to talk about one of his latest ventures, Recruitment Entrepreneur, which helps recruitment professionals grow their business. And and he's a really impressive person. He shares insights on what it takes to make it as an entrepreneur and as a leader. So tune in next time for that episode. And while you're waiting, rate, review the pod, helps us get found, helps us get noticed. So thanks so much for all the support and go forth and inspire.